The following edition of the Mac Geek Gab podcast was recorded live at Macworld Expo in San Francisco, 2009. This will be uh, the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 185. For January 6th. 2008. Okay. No, 9. 2009. <laughs> Welcome to 2009. So now we know how this is going to go. Uh, I'm Dave Hamilton. For those of you who don't know, this is John Braun. F. Braun. John, John F. Braun, that's right. Uh, so today, uh, we're doing two podcasts here on the show floor. Today's will be us uh, talking about the, what we thought about the keynote, some of the stuff that we saw. And then Thursdays, which is at 2.30 p.m. Pacific, will be uh, kind of John and I talking about what we've seen on the show floor. Same pattern that we always follow for Macworld Expo. Just now we're doing it in front of you. And then assuming the recording's working which it looks to be, then everybody else gets to hear it, too, in the feed, which will hopefully go out later tonight. How many people here were at the keynote today before we get into it? Okay, so half-ish. How many are aware of everything that happened at the keynote today? More than half. Okay, but not everybody. Okay, so we'll go through this a little bit here, and then at the end, we'll make sure we leave some time for uh, you folks to ask questions, and anything's fair game as long as any answer is fair game, right? <laughs> Is that right? Okay. Um, okay. First off, I'm curious, though. Um, I personally thought Phil did a fine job. Uh, what do you guys think? Okay. So I know a lot of people were worried, but, but I, I wasn't worried. He was a good showman. I think he made one verbal slip-up, but other than that, smooth presentation. Showed off some of the new products, which, uh, which was good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to, to me, Phil is probably better than 90% of the speakers you're going to get at 90% of the keynotes in 90% of the trade shows across the country. Put him up against, you know, a seasoned pro and master showman like Jobs, and you're not mm. going to get the same fluidity out of the guy. It's just not going to happen. But mm. yeah, I thought he did fine. So uh, we walked into the room. They seated media for you got seated before me. No, well, I even noticed outside. So outside, okay. uh, usually we're used to a big, long line of people, you know, sitting. And I think there were some people we, we heard. There were, there were a group of three people that camped out at, like, two or three in the morning. Score um, one for Phil. Or score yes. three for Phil. But, uh, but we certainly didn't see the lines that we did before. The, the media area actually was kind of uh, empty at first, but then it started filling up. So I think there was, you know, the same number of media. Yeah. But, uh, but we did notice that, yeah, there was, uh, you have here, um, about 75% of the seats were, were full. So... I think that it, I've never seen it not completely full in there. So that was that was interesting. It was like sort of you know the back right and left corner were uh, were were notably empty, and that's kind of back where we were sitting. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how we covered the keynote and what we did? Yes. So this worked it worked out great. Now, if you guys saw our live blog feed, uh, we actually had something new, and, and we got to give uh, Stephen Swift, one of our guys who does all the magic behind the scenes, a lot of credit. And actually, we did practice the night before. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's tell them how we did the first keynote we did together. <laughs> okay. I think that was I had it was a palm. So what I was doing was palm seven. A palm seven. And I had I was, a palm three. I was taking notes. No, no, no. It was the other way around. No, I had the wireless palm. Right. So I had the wireless palm where I could send or email the notes to someone at home base. That's right. So I was madly scribbling graffiti. No. Or you were. I was scribbling. Yeah, so the way it worked, if I, and, and correct me if, if I'm wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure I remember this. So we were sitting there. This was the one in New York. It would have been New York 1999 where Noah Wiley came out. Uh, as Steve mm -hmm. Jobs, right? Because that movie, the, the, what was it? The Pirates of Silicon Valley had just came out. So mm -hmm. uh, that was the first one we attended. That's the first one we, we ever attended, and we were there as press. TMO had you know, opened its doors about three days before. And so it, John had the Palm 7. With, you had the Palm 7 with the wireless. Uh -huh. I had a Palm 3. And so I would write some notes. John would write some notes. Then I'd beam my notes to you. Using IR. Using infrared. That's right. When there was a little break. And then John, because you had the wireless, you could email uh, him back to Brian, who was down in Austin at our office. At, right? Isn't that how it, it was? Went? It was actually, for the time, it was high tech. Oh, dude, it, it was, rocked. It was, it was, Nobody did it. It Nobody, was as couldn't. live as you were going to get. Right. So. Right. And then Brian would, you know, periodically every five minutes or ten minutes, whenever the email came, he was just sitting there, you know, mm -hmm. twiddling his thumbs, sort of waiting, because there was no SMS, or he had no idea what was happening until all of a sudden the email would magically appear, and, and then he then, would post it. 
then progress to present day. That's right. Fast forward. So now, go ahead. I am I am very happy with what we did. So so we've been using Blogger for a while to do live coverage. Um, probably the biggest impediment with that is that uh, I don't know what the problem is, but uh, both Brian and Dave. EVDO cards on the Mac seem to have a tendency to give you the, I don't know if it's the blue screen of oh, death, no. but it's the... I solved that problem last night. But, but I'm saying, Brian had the problem when he tried a, a year or two ago. Right. So we've... Uh, now, fortunately here, we, we didn't run into it. Or, or did you? Did you have to reboot? Uh, no. So what we did was we put an EVDO card. We had multi-man coverage. So we put an EVDO card in my laptop. Um, and what John's talking about is the old sprint drivers would cause it to, to kernel panic all the time. I found drivers literally 10 minutes before I went to bed last night that seems oh. to work okay. Yeah, That's I didn't fun. tell you this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and so that problem was solved. And then we shared my EVDO connection with four different laptops uh, mm-hmm. over, you know, airport sharing. Of course, we put a password on it because otherwise, you know, it would have been right. ridiculous. But the extra added bonus this time, which I thought was, was very cool. Um, so we practiced the night before. So you may have noticed if you saw live blog coverage, in addition to the text, I was using... Uh, my new camera, the Lumix, which I got to say took some pretty good pictures in, in those conditions, um, anti-jitter and all that stuff. So I would take a group of pictures, and then when I was ready, I would hand it over my back to Dave. He would plug it in, because he was the one that had the connection. He would suck the pictures out of the camera. As soon as he was done, he would hand it back to me. And so those would appear uh, pretty much uh, along with the, the typing. Well, so yeah, so, you... no, but let's, let's talk about the geek element, right? Because so I would okay. pull the pictures off and put them in a temporary folder, and then I'd go through in preview and pick mm. which ones, you know, should go up on the blog. Because John would take five or six shots of the same thing as one is wont to do with digital cameras. And, uh, and Stephen had created a folder action script that would take any pictures put in whatever folder I designated and automatically email them up and just magically have them appear on the site. Mm. So... Uh, I would pick the ones that I wanted. And in preview, and this is something I didn't know until I tried it this morning, if, you're, if you open a bunch of pictures, it gives you that little drawer on the, for you, the right-hand mm-hmm. side, right? Uh, and, you know, you can navigate through them. Well, you can drag pictures from the drawer, and it will move them to wherever in the finder you drag it. So I was able to literally grab the picture, put it in the folder that was going to go, and then I would just hear the email go off and, you know, and then magically... It, somehow mm-hmm. appeared on the uh, site. So that was great because in the past we would take the pictures and then post them the next day which uh, it is good but this was much much better and um, so again the, the camera that I have the Lumix TZ5 I, I think is an excellent camera um, and I think well you'll see the pictures. Um, the only downside we did try to get one thing working technically and I think we'll, we'll talk to our friends at, uh, at iFi so some of you know I have an iFi card I think the iFi we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the context of one of the products but Unfortunately, the iFi needs a router. We did not have a router. We, we only had available to it. Well, what, I suppose we could have. But there are some portable USB routers, but we didn't have the time to do that. What we'd like we to had, see... We had enough technology to fail on us. We didn't need yes. one more piece. Yeah, don't add more pieces. But, um, but at some point, it would be nice, and a lot of people asked for this, if the iFi could do the transmission directly to a computer using ad hoc mode versus uh, uh, infrastructure yeah, mode. Yeah, so, so when you create a wireless network with your computer, it... It appears differently to other wireless clients uh, compared to an access point. Now, there's various reasons for this, but really it shouldn't matter. Uh, I've never seen a client care whether it's connecting to an ad hoc mode or a, uh, an access point. It really shouldn't matter. It's, they're all acting the same. But as we found, the iFi card, not into it. So we couldn't use the iFi card, but it worked fine. In fact, I think it probably worked better that you were able to take pictures and I was able to go through them you know, yes. kind of asynchronously uh, while mm-hmm. you were still able to, to take them. So, so that's how we did the keynote. Brian and Jeff uh, were also connected, and they did their uh, uh, text coverage, and, and that's kind of how it went. So, okay. And, in, uh, and you know, we're going to start things off right here. I think, well, we are getting started here, but, but I see in our notes here, I think, Dave, we're going to uh, hand off a, a rant to you. A rant? Is it time? Well, it says rant right here, okay. so go. Um, So, Schiller, one of the first things he said was, you know, we have 3.4 million people visit the Apple stores every day, and that's 100 Macworld Expos per week. And he said that's 100 Macworld Expos a week. And sure, that's true in terms of the number of people, but what you don't get, and and this is important to me personally, but also for our business, I mean, it, it would be good certainly for all of us here if Macworld Expo continued. And, and, uh, and, and so I'm going to just frame this a little bit differently. And maybe it's not a rant, but maybe it will be. Um, 
you have Apple employees demoing products that Apple employees know about and that Apple has told them they want to learn. So what you don't get is, you know, all these little guys. You know, sure, there's the big boost over here, but what I like is, oh, this is the North Hall. I'm totally confused. But, but anyway, you know, all the little shanty towns that exist of, of the little, you know, the little developers, and there's some really cool things being done. Sure, there's some crap, too. I'm not going to lie, right? You know, you go and you see stuff, and it's like, well, that's stupid. Why are you wasting your money here? But, but there's, you know, there's those... And there's more than one. The diamonds in the rough. Um, Brian Chaffin and I walked through the shanty town about an hour and a half ago, and spent more time with three of the developers there than we spent with you know the big booths out there learning about their products because these things are really cool and you're not mm. going to hear about these anywhere but here. And then of course it's our job to tell everybody else about them and and you know if we think the product's good then hopefully uh, people will too and and it'll succeed. So so you know I know Apple has their message and of course their PR masters uh, but that's one thing that eh, you know that whole hundred Macworld expos a week I don't think that's a we we shake our mm. fists at that so. Well, you can shake your fist. Okay, I'll shake my fist. That one didn't really bother me. Right. So, um, we can skip through this. I just kind of, you know, okay. charted it out. No, so. do, do, what do you usual. got? Um, now, you probably noticed. Now, some of you may have uh, caught, uh, but we did put photos of the first thing. Some of you noted the, the, the covered mystery banner. So, you almost knew there were going to be a couple of new products. And... Uh, and I, I pretty much, I, I think we knew what they were going to be. I think yeah. iLife 09 was, uh, uh, was a given. Yep. But um, I think we just want to talk about some of the features in there. So, um, yeah, so, so in iPhoto 09, one of the cool things that they added is, is what they call faces, which for those of you who aren't aware, is facial recognition inside your photos. You tag you know, a few photos and, and confirm, yep, this face is this same person. Then it'll go through and, and find all this stuff. They say they're using a third-party uh, technology for that. Oh, okay. I, did, I couldn't find out who it was. I, I wonder if it's Google's, because back in 2006, Google acquired a company. Does, do you, does anybody know? No? No, okay. I thought I heard somebody chime in. No? Okay. Google acquired a company called uh, what Niven Vision that they're using, I believe, in Picasso, which you can also see in the South Hall. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, given how tight Apple is with Google and how how comfortable they are relying on Google's technologies, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what they're using. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, that, that's pretty darn cool. I, I can't wait to get my hands on it and, and run it on, you know, a 25,000 photo library and see what it does. Okay. Yeah, especially with, with crummy pictures on, you know, those, yes. those little one megapixel cameras that, uh, that we started with. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder how well it does because I've seen it at some other shows, like more in a security context, is that things like glasses and facial hair and all that kind of throw these things off or if you change your look. So we'll have to see how good it does. But I think it's a great technology for you know, either selecting photos that have your friends or deleting photos that have your, your enemies. So I, I think would, it's a good... We would actually appreciate it if, it, if, if, that, if it's not that good, right? Because then otherwise we worry about the NSA and, and using all that stuff, right? We, get, we put cameras in airports and suddenly it's like, uh-oh, John Braun's here. We got trouble. They, they have those systems. I know they do. Yeah, but okay, so if they have them, can we just have that technology? You know, are, they, are we going to get it that good? Mm -hmm. Right? So I thought, uh, the faces was good. And then the other thing that we saw, which is... Um, you know, so this is a nice thing I got to say about iFi, and the folks are here. I think I, I just talked to them a few moments ago. Um, so the other thing which is up and coming is is a few cameras. Like even I think the the Lumix I have, I think they do have. No, I'm sorry, they have one that has Wi-Fi built in. But um, but some of the higher end cameras now have geotagging, which um, as you probably know. But if you don't, it basically uh, using whatever technology. So iFi uses um, the technology from oh gosh, Skyhook. Skyhook. Thank you. We complement each other nicely. Okay. So it does a technology from Skyhook that will use Wi-Fi access points and cellular access points to estimate. Um, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Right. Keep going. So it'll use, it'll use that to estimate where you are. And I found it's pretty good. The only thing is sometimes when I've gone to shows with the iFi um, and vendors have brought their own points, it'll say, like I went to a show in New York City, and it was saying I took the pictures in Chicago or San Francisco, and I, uh, I knew that that probably wasn't the case. Um, then they have some higher-end cameras, I think, that have GPS, which that you're going to get very, very good uh, resolution. But it's great to have that feature, and, and the good news is that as far as I've seen, um, iFi does some funky stuff behind the scenes before you get your picture. So when you take the pictures, it doesn't have the data there. You have to go through their um, utility, and then it puts latitude and longitude. But what I've noticed is in iPhoto, when I've looked at pictures that have been imported or injected by the iPhone, utility, they will have, uh, I think you have to say get info, you will see a bunch of things in the EXIF field 
Um, I think it's the EXI field, and one thing is latitude and longitude. So I don't see why the iFi pictures would not work. It so should. I'm gonna. So as soon as I can get my hands on this, I'm gonna try it. But that is a awesome, awesome feature between faces and location. Um, I think they've. It sounds like it's worth the upgrade. So I, I do have to interrupt here because this is kind of funny. It, it, a little bit of how the sausage is made. Um, when we're doing the podcast, in a moment where 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 we just had, where John would be, you know, talking, I, I try to pay attention, and then. Typically, what happens is Skype chirps up, and Pilot Pete is typing something uh, where you know he's got some comment that he's trying to throw, and trying to you know not be distracted by that. And I figured, of all places, you know, here I'm totally immune to that. I'll be able to totally pay attention. No, what happens is Kent comes up with a piece of paper that says, "Pilot Pete says to Skype him in if possible." So, no. Yep. That's, uh, that's so never fails. That's, that's how it goes. So I only heard about half of what you said. I'll, uh, I'll catch up on the other half uh, later. Okay. But no, basically I backed up, you know, I, know, just I, I got up, it. Wrapped I was up just the geotagging. That's good. Oh, okay. That was good <laughs> I'm one. with you. So, and, and I don't think we can Skype him in. I don't think there's good Wi-Fi here on the floor, right? Yeah. I, okay. I'm not going to do it, but it may, you know. They all had little locks on them when I, when I tried. So. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we can unlock one for Thursday. It's Pete can say hi. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, you know, a pretty straightforward thing. But, uh, and we noticed this, you know, as we're looking at the, uh, you know, the screenshots. I'm like, hey, that, that looks familiar. So Flickr and Facebook integration, and, I think, is a, is a And plus. the thing that's cool, and, and Phil talked about this, is that if you have a face, if you upload a picture to Facebook and one of your friends tags themselves or someone they know in a picture on Facebook, it actually syncs back down to iPhoto and now starts recognizing or teaching iPhoto to recognize that person in your library, which is, I mean, sure, why not, right? But, but that's, that's clearly that, that beauty of Apple where they take things one step further even though they didn't have to. So I thought that was pretty darn cool. I, again, it's, it's the kind of thing where I really want to see how it works because, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. That's how it goes. All okay, right. and that was uh, th that's not available immediately, right? That's that's coming soon. It's end of January, I think, right? Is that is that right? End of January okay. for I work, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, if we, I think we've got some comments on our work, but that's that's available. They say it immediately. The Apple Store over there um, is. Uh, they say end of the week, which is good because it means those of us that are presenting this week won't be tempted to go buy the new iLife or I, uh, uh, well, I guess, yeah, the new iWork and then install Keynote and, uh, you know, use it for our sessions and, you know, have it be all iffy and whatnot. So, okay. so that's a good thing. Are we moving on to iMovie? I think we are. So, so iMovie, um, no, I don't know. You know, the thing is, I, I, I'm not a heavy user, but, but a, lo I, a lot of feedback that I got from, from a lot of you was that it, it, it almost seemed that the last iMovie was kind of a step backwards, that a lot of people weren't happy with, with the changes. Um, so it almost seems to me that this one is, is kind of trying to backpedal or, or move forward again to the point where the prior product was. But. Okay, so, so there's a story here, right? Remember a couple of years ago, uh, Steve Jobs came on stage and said, yeah, you know, we had iMovie, but then we had this employee who went on vacation and was frustrated with just taking his vacation videos and putting them into our existing iMovie. So he just took it upon himself uh, out of the blue to write a new version of iMovie, and that's what we're going to, you know, show you today. And as John said, it was sort of feature stripped, but but very easy to use, and, and really kind of had a new paradigm. And now they're adding features to it to make it truly a robust uh, platform. Well, the guy's name is Randy Ubelos or Ubelos, and he was on stage today. It's imp important to note that he is not just any employee that happened to go on vacation and might have known how to, you know, write some software. He uh, was the, I believe, the lead developer on the first three versions of Premiere from Adobe way uh, back when, right? And then he also worked on Key Grip for Macromedia before, and then I think he was somewhere else in the middle, and, and then, of course, wound up at Apple. So, Certainly, you know, Apple hires good talent, but this wasn't, you know, this wasn't a surprise <laughs> that this guy would, would take it upon himself to go ahead and yet again write some... Uh, and I think, I think he did, uh, I was sitting next to Bob, and I think Bob commented, I think he, he had some involvement in Final Cut also. He, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah, well, and that's why they hired him, was on, on the Final Cut team, of course, right? Right, that's right. Yeah, so, so you know, the story's the same, but come on, you know, you can't... Mm -hmm. it, it was nice to talk about it as, oh, just some random employee. But no, 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 no. 
Okay. That was no mistake on Apple's part. So yeah. So uh, the first cool feature. Now you know this is like taking it a step beyond. So so again, I think I mentioned the camera that I have. The, the prior camera I had did not have stabilization, and and this one does just wonderful. I killed the flash, and and all the pictures looked look uh, pretty good. But now what they announced for for iMovie, the video stabilization. Now that is is something I have not seen a lot of. So I mean, it was amazing. They would take shots. I mean, I think you saw the one with the gazelles. I mean, it was garbage beforehand. You couldn't see what was going on, and then you saw the you know when they stabilized the gazelles were very clear. So yeah. that's an awesome technology. That's going to take a lot of crummy home movies and make them watchable. Uh, I think no, I think it's a good thing. Absolutely. All right, can we move on to GarageBand? Or do we, do you, um, do we need to mention well, that? Well, to mention it. Well, we could mention. Go ahead. Um, I, I think almost everybody thought when you saw the globe and the thing going this, you know, from one point to the other in the globe. I thought so, Indiana so Jones. only half of the people were there. So oh, I'm let, sorry. Let, me, let me describe what's happening here. So they took the, um, the videos that were taken. Oh, t- uh, sorry, took the pictures that were taken, and iMovie will create uh, like a video slideshow of these. But of course, now all these software uh, applications are location aware, and they're able to read iPhoto anyway. Is able to read the location of the photo and tag it. Well, iMovie does the same thing, and. If you take all your pictures from your vacation and link them all together, it creates, it kind of plots, you, you can have it plot them out on a globe, and it'll start at one location and sort of spin the globe around as the, the line moves around. And of course, as John was about to say, we all thought... Da, 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 da. I mean, that's, that's what I was humming as I saw that. It was just uh, the, the same effect. So very effective, I think, to just... We'll you know, say Indiana Jones movies. for those people that, that weren't too, totally keyed into your, your song there. Got it. Yeah. So. Um, so, GarageBand. So, one of the coolest things that they've added um, is, or one of the new things they've added, is the learn to play feature. I just started, some of you may know, back in August, I played the drums for 25 years. Back in August, I started taking guitar lessons. Um, and it's been going great. I'm having fun with it. I, the, the little bit of the demo that I saw there, and then also on the show floor in the South Hall, this really seems like it might actually work. Uh, what I, I don't know if it would be the thing that could actually get you started. I think you might actually need some human intervention, but maybe not. Uh, but certainly, once you understand the very, very basics of, of the instrument, and the same with piano, which I've also played for about 25 years, um, it, I, I think it'll work. I mean, I, as I was watching, you know, what... Uh, what Fogarty was doing, and, and they were putting the chord charts on the neck of the guitar there. I was like, oh, yeah, I could play along with this. No problem at all. So I, they've got something here. This is a cool thing. Um, I hope that it's more than just nine lessons. I hope that they take it, and, and the master classes are cool, but, but there's a middle ground, right, because there's the nine very beginner lessons, but there's also all the things that are just going to get you further and further along in your playing, and I hope somebody uses either GarageBand or takes the lead from them and, 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 and takes it that much further, because it really looks smooth. And I've, I've tried some of the video podcasts out there for guitar, and they, they're okay, but you're just seeing it, you're seeing someone play on the neck of the guitar, and it, seeing that layout that they had in GarageBand, they had sort of a a neck, the neck of the guitar digitally represented and dots appearing where you should hold your fingers and, and that sort of thing. It really made it very clear. Um, so, you know, of course, it'll keep people from ever having to read music, but guitar players typically just learn tab mm-hmm. and then forget about it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Okay. So do you think it's something, though, like complement music, guitar lessons? Oh, I, absolutely. I'm, I look forward to checking it out. Yeah. Okay. Um, I did want to mention one thing. Um, well, th- this also is part of the uh, iLife suite, but, but this warmed my heart, the thing that they're mentioning here. Um, iTunes, not so much iTunes, but removing DRM from all the songs. I think you've heard me rant. Uh, so, all right. Absolutely. <laughs> you've heard me rant about this before. Uh, DRM, you know, there, there's a lot of smart people that come up with all sorts of algorithms. Uh, hi, Dan. <laughs> Dan does the math cast, so he likes algorithms. Um, you can spend the energy... Dan Bach, d- the math jock. There he is. <laughs> um, you can spend energy on DRM, and, and Apple probably does a pretty good job of making it seamless and, and not too much in your face unless you reach a machine limit or something. Or, Well, Dave, you had a, a problem trying to move your videos around, um, I think. And oh, yeah. I talked about it on, on last night's podcast. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, um, rented. Yeah. But, yeah, just 
everybody grow up, get rid of DRM. I, I personally like eMusic because none of their stuff. I mean, it, it's not the latest stuff, but but eMusic is one service that I still like because they're all MP3s. They trust you not to give it away to the entire world. Yes, you may. Okay, that's that's a fact of life. Anything that you can see or hear can be reverse engineered, and you can send it to the world. So just you know, spend your energy on something else besides DRM. So I was very happy to hear that, and it sounds like you are too. So. Are we moving on? We don't uh, need keynote, uh, you know, that's cool if you're a presentation geek, but um, I don't think we have anything to, to I mean, add. The cool thing is, though, so uh, you get I, uh, I Life 09, I Work 09, and Leopard for 169 bucks, which is really cool, and I think will bring a lot of people to Leopard that aren't, aren't there already. I mean, that's cheap. That's mm-hmm. a great price point. So uh, that's, they're calling that the Mac box set. And that way you can upgrade everything all at once. In fact, it's almost cheaper to do that even if you already own Leopard. Almost, mm-hmm. but not, not quite. So. Okay. Okay. So that was neat. Now, uh, and next we have here iWork, uh, which is in beta now, I guess. Um, iWork.com? iWork.com. Okay. Yes. Correct. Sorry. So iWork.com, and the only note that I have here, one thing that strikes me is as far as I could see from the quick demo, it looks like it's a nice way for you to... Um, you know, base your work on the iWork suite, but if you want to share with people who are do not have a Mac or just have a browser, it, it would seem, and, and I think they were mentioning that they can do different translations, um, you know, Word. And, uh, so it, it just seems like a nice way to ground yourself on the Mac side with iWork, but let people that may not necessarily have a Mac um, participate in a collaboration. And I'm sure we'll see this evolve. We, uh, Wasn't MobileMe, didn't we get a demo of MobileMe uh, allowing you to do that? People browsing your iDisk and pulling files off it and direct oh, sure. links yeah. to the iDisk? That doesn't exist, right? We can't do direct links to the iDisk yet. So I, I'll, I'll hold my judgment, a reserve judgment on this until mm-hmm. it's actually working. Yeah. It might be vaporware. So we got to try it out. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing, well, we did get a new piece of hardware, kind of. Yeah, so the 17-inch MacBook Pro, how many people have used a 15-inch or even held a 15-inch version of the new MacBook Pro? Yeah, okay, so those of you that, that have know what I'm about to say. You know, when Apple was out there on stage talking about, oh, yeah, we're doing this with an aluminum block, it was, you know, it was one of these things that didn't really, there it is, didn't really register. Yeah, but you can hold that up and it doesn't flop around in your hand <laughs> like, the, like the old ones did. I, I mean, it, you don't realize how much these flop around in your hand and how much they flex until you hold one of the new ones. And the 17 is even worse. So I'm surprised that the 17 was the last one to get this feature. Um, mm-hmm. it, and maybe they sell more 15, so they figured, you know, you've got to go where the market is. But in terms of the feature actually being, you know, necessary uh, for the device, it makes a huge difference. I have not gone and held one of the 17s yet. I think somebody told me they only have like three of them on the show floor. Is that hmm. right? Oh, whatever. Really? Uh, yeah, maybe they've only made three. Um, <laughs> maybe it's not working out so well. But, uh, but yeah, th- that aluminum block thing, it makes a huge difference in, in terms of how well that machine holds itself together. It mm-hmm. really makes a difference. So. Well, one of our colleagues, Peter, actually mentioned this, but he um, on Twitter was commenting, he has a 17-inch, and he was commenting how the, the hinges get quite stressed on that machine, especially if you, which you probably shouldn't do, but people do it anyways, is you carry your, your machine around, you know, maybe while it's on and, and stuff like that, and I think the, you know, the 17-inch is just very heavy, so I think the new yeah. design will make it less necessary that you're going to need a hinge replacement or that, that it's going anybody, to be Anybody place an order for a 17 yet? Oh, okay. So we're not yeah. that geeky yet. So. I don't know. To me, that's a, I, I still, I've, I've used a few of them, and, and it's a battleship. I don't oh, know it's huge. You, I couldn't use them. No. I mean, I guess it could be a good desktop replacement, but, uh, but I'm very happy with my 15-inch. All right. Um, time to take questions? Well, oh, we got one more rant here. Oh, oh you got a rant. Well, no, oh, no, 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 be, to be good to the environment. Um, so on the one hand, they're getting better. On the other hand, and maybe you want to take the rant here, but um, so it's nice that the battery lasts a real long time, but I think the thing that we do not like 
I don't know if you noticed, but the battery in the new machine, you can't replace it. It's sealed in there, just like the iPod. And I don't know, I personally don't like that. Uh, I mean, even with my... Um, even with my machine, when, when I traveled, I brought it on um, uh, two batteries. You know, I think I mentioned to you folks, always bring extra batteries if you need it. And I was able to get maybe three hours total out of two batteries in my 15-inch machine. So if this thing can truly, now the thing you got to notice, they say up to eight hours. That means eight or less. It could be. <laughs> uh, so we'll see. So, but I think that's a bad thing because any battery that's not user-replaceable, I'm just not really thrilled with. So... Uh, so I gotta do this very Are carefully here. No, I, oh, I, I crappy <laughs> negative. Uh, there he is. Pilot Pete, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Allison, from uh, the Nozilla cast, right? Right? Yeah. Amazing. Uh, for, okay, uh, we we pegged the geek meter here. That was that What's was that? good. That was good. That pegged the geek meter. That does. You know, I, I like, don't need to see doing? Pete. I see him all the time. So I'm just gonna turn him around and. Uh, of course, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> I think you, you can hear us. Yes, Pete? Mm. Okay. Yeah, he says he can hear us. Okay, good. Um, yeah, so, what, yeah, you know, for me, though, I, I've actually never taken the battery out of my machine other than the time. Oh, and this is actually interesting. Recently, when we had the power outage at home, I ran my battery down to no, nothing. Actually, no, what? No, it ran itself down to nothing while I was on vacation. And then, of course, we had the power outage. So there were a couple days after we got home that I hadn't used the computer. I went to turn it on because I was going to go uh, to my dad's place where he had internet and try and get some work done. And my laptop would not start. I could not get it started. I plugged it in to power. It would not start. I tried doing power management resets from the keyboard. Nothing. I took the battery out, and then it started. So, hmm. yeah. Well, because, yeah, if the battery's dead, dead, it's fine. And then, and, then it, and then once I had it started, I was able to put the the battery back in and it charged right up and it's been fine so far. I mean, actually, I'm kind of a fool to bring a battery that failed on a trip now that I think about it, but that's all right. That's how we roll. I got uh, an extra for you. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. Uh, yeah. So what do you do in that instance? I mean, you start, you know, prying components out of your uh, computer. Is that good? Let the magic smoke out when you do that. No. <laughs> then I guess... And Tony Bennett wrapped the closing, up the yes, yeah, Tony Bennett Tony closed it. That that was great. I, I think he's pretty much a Vegas uh, staple. So uh, that was really nice to see him. And he left his heart in San Francisco. Yes, that's right. Oh, yeah, so there was, that was one other thing. When Phil said, you know, we're bringing out this very special guest because uh, for the last Macworld Expo, you could kind of hear every IDG employee cringe. It's not the last Macworld Expo. They've got this space booked and I believe paid for it for next year. So mm -hmm. they're coming. We'll likely be here. Uh, will the show be this? Mm, who knows? You know, it all depends on... Really, honestly, it depends on how all of us feel about this week and how all the vendors feel. So, uh, you know, it is, like I said, you know, personally and professionally to me, Macworld Expo is a good thing and it's important to convince the people that might be on the fence about whether or not it's a good thing. Frankly, to me, it doesn't matter whether Apple's here. I, and, I, and I understand I see things from a very different perspective because I'm, well, I've been in the business for a while, but I'm also very jaded, so maybe I'm the wrong guy to ask. But I spend all of about 15 minutes in Apple's booth, and most of it's just because it feels better underneath my feet because they do that extra padded cushion, <laughs> right? You know, it's much better to walk through the Apple booth than walk around. Uh, but, but that's it. So, you know, there's so much. Like I said, all the shanty towns and all that cool stuff, there, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. So time for questions? Time for questions. Time for questions. Uh, I'm actually, because I'm recording this and I'm going to release it, I'm actually going to ask you to come up to the microphone here, if you don't mind. And uh, while you do, I've got to do a little sound check because that mic's not on, so. Testing, testing. Testing, testing. All right. So this is more of an opinion question, but uh, <laughs> um, so with uh, uh, Google Docs and all that out there, um, which is free, uh, I was kind of shocked when he said that the beta was going to be free for iWorks Web, 
but that it was going to cost when it went live. My, yeah, my guess is it's going to be rolled into mobile me. Yeah. Uh, and it has to, right? I mean, you can't start, you know, you can only get so much blood from us stones, right? Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's... Uh, no real thought, though in, in the context of charging, you did see, so we did see this, this one neat thing in Keynote is that they will allow you, I believe it's with an iPod Touch or an iPhone, to control Keynote. Yeah. That's kind of neat, but they're going to charge 99 cents for it. Okay. Well, you're already paying for Keynote. An extra, I'd pay an extra buck. There's apps out there on the App Store that presumably don't work as well as the one that Apple built with Keynote, you know, the hooks in there, and they're like five or ten bucks. Yeah, it's funny because so. they do have an iPhone, uh, iPod Touch and iPhone app called Remote, which you can use to uh, control your, your iTunes. And that, from what I caught, yeah, that's free. Did we answer your question? I didn't hear all of it because I was climbing around. Okay, uh, there you go. Okay. Greetings, sir. Say your name. Hi, I'm uh, Ranger Lefty. Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm Ranger Black Lefty. Black Rock Rangers, a haiku enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> um... Did I hear right that there's a Mata version of this MacBook Pro 17-inch? Yeah. That there's now a Mata version as opposed to... Yeah, I think it was $50 extra, they said, yep. and, and there will be a, a Mat. Now, I guess the Mat is the same as the anti-glare of the... Yeah, well, they well, said anti-glare, but, but I think This is different. It's... This is the first time we've seen an anti-glare glass screen. Okay, so right? it is different. So it's, so it's, a, it's not the Mata display that we're so fond of. It's another screen I'm, that's been anti-glared. Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, let, let's hope it's glass because the glass screens really are better. You can, I mean, you can just wipe them off with your sleeve. You don't yeah. have to worry about them. Um, yeah, but I think, uh, wasn't, aren't you, John? Yes. Not a fan of the glossy. Oh, no. I'm not the fan of the glossy. No, I am a fan of the glossy. Oh, okay. in, in my opinion, or, or, and I, I work with uh, both uh, you know, my Dell machine, oh, okay. but I like the, the glossy screens because I, I can, at least I can see that they are brighter, maybe not sharper, but, but brighter because, I mean, if you're going to put any sort of coating, you are going to reduce the amount of light that's going to come out of it. So I personally uh, am okay with the glass. Okay. The only thing about the glass is that what drives some people crazy is if you have a, a bad reflection from a window or, right. or sunlight or something, but I, I don't have that issue, so I, yeah. I prefer the glass. There's one other issue with the, the glossy screen that drives people crazy, and that is if you're doing any sort of color matching uh, or any sort of artwork where it matters what you see on the screen because it, it's not even close to right and it changes as you, you know, you, if, you, if you don't sit perfectly still and, you know, wire your head in, uh, it's not going to it's not gonna look right. So my guess is that that's what drove them to do this for the 17 because they figured, well, if somebody's going to be doing lots of artwork on their laptop, they'll probably go with the 17 and, okay, yeah, we better, we better figure out a way to make them happy because that's probably a sizable part of the market that buys the 17. Am I right about that? The, I saw a couple of people nodding over here. I, I don't do any of that sort of work, but I've certainly heard about it. So, yeah. All right, thanks. Yeah. More questions? Anything? Really? You have your op this opportunity to play Stump the Geek live, and we got nothing. If you got a problem with your computer, you can ask us about that too. We're happy to, uh, you know, attempt attempt to answer. So, I'm gonna, uh, my name is Linda Feudold, and I'm gonna um, get a little bit closer. I'm gonna go back to a couple of episodes back, and yep. I'm not totally current. I think I'm one or two behind. I'm not current either. It's good. Okay, cool. Uh, and actually, it's good. I don't know if Pilot Pete for sure can hear this, but. He was talking about that he uses a VPN setup. Mm -hmm. And you, John, I remember specifically we're talking about uh, certificates and what's trustworthy and what's not trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me that it would be really good to hear you guys talk about, it, you know, if it's trustworthy, if the certificate is trustworthy and everything is encrypted, if I've got that little S, that little uh, lock on my, on, my, on my browser, mm -hmm. whatever it may be, and the HTTPS, etc. Why does he need then to use a VPN? That you could kind of combine those two and answer that? Because I think there's going to be, I mean, I, it, it's a good theoretical question, if nothing okay. else. Okay, no, I understand what you're saying. And, um, and I, I believe, and, and Pete will nod for you here. Can you, can you hear us, Pete? I think he uses Hotspot VPN is, is the one that, that Pete uses when he travels. Um, but yeah, that, that's actually a good question. If you're connecting to, if you're only connecting to secure sites, uh, does it matter? Do you need to use the VPN? Do you need to come get this, Allison? Oh, okay. 
Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's answer this and then. And, and I agree. That's a great question. <laughs> no. Uh, if uh, I would say, if you are only using HTTPS, if you are just getting on the web and using an HTTPS connection for your banking or your shopping or whatever, um, then that should be good enough. Uh, on the other hand, it can't, but the thing is you may be doing other things that are not encrypted. You may be picking up, like I still have this issue with my uh, uh, internet service provider. They still do not provide any sort of secure connection. Uh, this is Cablevision or Optimum Online. Um, so if there are other services running in the background that are sending sensitive traffic, then a v so VPN will encrypt all the traffic. Um, the HTTPS is just web traffic, or sometimes it'll be layered on email. Like for example, uh, .Mac um, email. I noticed uh, on my touch when I was configuring it, there's a um, HTTPS or, or SSL option. Um, so the short answer is VPN will encrypt everything. HTTPS will encrypt some things. The, the, the other the other piece to it is. The reason Pete uses, one of the reasons Pete uses a VPN is exactly what you said to secure his data. The other thing is, a lot of times he's in countries outside of the US and he uses a lot of different services, some of which won't allow him to connect. Like, you know, something like Hulu or, or Boxy, right? You, you can't get certain content outside of the US. And, and so the VPN makes it seem to those services as though he is where the VPN is and not where he is. Because the VPN effectively acts as a proxy. It's, it, it's different from a true proxy server, but effectively acts as a proxy in that it's requesting data on his behalf and then sending it back to him. So, uh, so there you go. But, but you've got a follow-up, don't you? So you're cutting right in front of Allison. That's good. It's good. It's good. She doesn't bite much. And Allison, much. I listen to you too, just so you know that. <laughs> but um, just so just to clarify, if I'm in the U.S. and I'm sitting at a Starbucks and I want to order something from Amazon and my credit card is going across the wire, in in your mind, and I know that things get. I mean, it's like the guy who doesn't trust the certificates. Pete, you can get really extreme on this kind of thing. But in in your mind, you're, I'm fairly safe doing that, even though I'm sitting at a Starbucks. Entering stuff as long as somebody's not like looking over my shoulder and you if know it's, doing. If it's yeah. HTTPS, yeah, then I would say yes. Cool. All right. Thank you. Cool. Hi, Allison. Okay, they said I had to say it. Allison Sheridan of the No Silicast podcast, hosted at Podfeet.com. <laughs> I actually do have a computer problem. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I actually do have a problem I can't solve. My husband's Garage Band, out of the blue. He throws a, a song in out of the media browser, and it'll play for like a half a second. It'll go, and it'll stop. Won't play. I've fixed disk permissions. I've reinstalled GarageBand. I've uh, reinstalled the 10.5.6 uh, using the combo updater. Thrown out the P lists. Nuke and pave. Nuke and like, pave. No, no. It's, really? a, oh, it's, a, it's a dual core G5, it so maybe everything. he just needs a new computer. Now what, That's what he thinks. What type of file is is he trying to it's audio file? Garage Band, it's an audio file. And uh, it MP3 plays or AAC? Or? That I'm not sure if he's tried. He swears he's tried regular MP3s, that it's not an AAC encrypted, you know. Sure. Even, file. But even that should work. It should. And it plays in the media browser. So you're in the media browser in Garage Band, you hit play. But you drag it in, it plays for like one second, and then it stops. Okay, so it, I know that when you, that media browser kind of lives off of many cache files. Huh? Uh, and, and they sort of sit in between until you, until you, at some point in the process, GarageBand actually imports the file and saves the audio inside of GarageBand. But, right. But, but at, at the beginning stages, it's kind of pulling from different cache mm. files. So my, the first thing I would do is repair permissions, again, which is something you don't want to necessarily want to do right. for no good but reason. Did. But you did. Did, did you I, also right. run something like Onyx? No, I or, haven't. That's what I was saying. Or, or Cocktail, cocktail something like that. Caches. I wonder if it would work to drag the song in, save it, and then bring it back up. If well, that would you know, be the, 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 the other right thing place. to try would be go, you know, go into iTunes, find the file, Right click on it, choose show, show in Finder, and drag, and it, drag from it, it from the Finder. Okay, I'll try uh, that. Yeah, because right. okay. that would that would tell you because that does not use any cache files if you're dragging in okay. from the Finder. So that's going to tell you if you've got a problem with GarageBand or just with the hooks that live in the system. And my guess is cleaning the cache files. Okay, that, that's certainly the first thing I try. I'll try it. Okay. And now's right. the time when we just move on to another question <laughs> so that we don't have to keep answering the stuff that we don't know. <laughs> oh, I want to keep it. No, go the ahead. only thing I'd add would be um, you may want to peek in the console. If yeah. GarageBand is not violently crashing, then it may be noticed. You may get something in the console that we says. We did. We did, and it says, oh, Pete just went dark. Wiggle the mouse here. 
I don't know. He turned the lights off in his room. Anyway, <laughs> he's going to sleep. Yeah, there he did. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> uh, we did, and it said something about AU something not enough memory. Oh, interesting. But, like, this is from a cold boot up yeah. with, you know... Well, not AU, before. that's another... Uh, audio, audio, audio unit. Yeah, which is, which is which what is it's really running helpful. it through. Yeah. Huh. Not enough memory. That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, okay. it, yeah. It, look at the time. I, Check next well, look question. at that. Oh, gosh, gosh. <laughs> must be moving along. All right, well, you guys just work on that and get back to me. Okay, we'll work on it. Right, well, try, actually, no, see, let, let us know. Try cleaning okay. the caches and see, because, it, like I said, it does use that as, sort of as its conduit. Okay. And out of memory errors, I, I've seen crop up at times when it has nothing to do with memory, yeah. right? But, That's it, but what it the, sounds like. the system can't get the it can't load the data that it wants and oftentimes you'll get an error message that says, well, I can't load it because I don't have room for it, when really that's not the issue at all. Okay. Uh, so okay. Uh, that would be one thing to try. Great. I'll give it a try. I will let you know. Okay, Thanks, cool. guys. Right. Bye, Pete. Bye, Pete. <laughs> poor, poor. I, I was going to say poor Pete. He did this to himself. So <laughs> he, he clearly, uh, I mean, this, this is a man that, that went out of his way. I mean, uh, this, this all got organized back here between, uh, it, oh, it's Katie's fault. Ah. Thanks, Katie. Okay. 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 Yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other questions? Yeah. Okay. It's great to see you guys after I'm listening to you from the very first time you did this podcast, and I finally get to see who's behind the faces behind the voice. So it's great. I've got a persnickety problem. I've been wanting to call you about for some time. I've got a, uh, the laptop, the 15 inch, and an external monitor, and it's only the Apple apps that when I open them up. Whether it's preview, whether it's iWork, any of those, it opens up on split across two screens and never opens up on just one screen. And it only happens with some of the Apple apps, not all of them. And I don't I have no idea what causes that. I've changed the monitors around and moved one up on top of the other, and they always show up. And that doesn't happen in iCal, it doesn't happen in a dress book, but it happens with preview and a couple others. I forget what it, it is. It goes on both screens? Both screens. Across split. To, split. So half of the, and I always have to drag it down to one screen so I can use the use the app. What okay. causes it to do that? Okay, so I, I'm going to, I know how Safari deals with remembering where its window is it supposed to It doesn't happen with Safari. Okay. okay. Let, let's assume that Apple's engineers... <laughs> uh, and this may be a big assumption here, but it's it's certainly worth a shot, right? Because I do the same thing. I have you know an external monitor with this machine, and it's I've never had this issue mm -hmm. unless, I, of course, I cause it. Um, but so Safari always remembers its window position, uh, you know, between quits. But if you grab a window in Safari and move it, mm -hmm. and then quit and relaunch. It will go back to where it was originally. It will not remember a move. But if you move and resize the window and then quit Safari, that's when it remembers. Right? Why are you laughing? It's true. <laughs> uh, I, well, you know, I, well, I picked it up because it was driving me crazy. I had to figure it out. Um, so, yeah, if you if you move, you know, so with Preview, move it to the other monitor, resize it, and then quit, and then relaunch Preview and see if that does it. Otherwise, it's probably being stored in the preference file, the plist yeah. file for preview. So just blow that away. Com.apple.preview.plist. Because I tried the things you do with the finder window to try to get it to show mm. up the same way. Yeah. And that didn't work with the preview. And right. The yeah. One, yeah. So. So, yeah so, so there's an example of the finder windows work one way with remembering where they were. Right. The uh, <laughs> Safari works another way. Mm. Hope's not so good for you, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could also be, yeah, I was going to say a plist file. Yeah. Yet, there may be, a, I believe there's a display plist file for oh, the okay. display system pref. That may have something. Uh, that, that, that's a long shot, but I'm, I'm just so looking at suggesting the things to try. So, okay. Um, I trust you guys with my life, so, you know. Wow. <laughs> wow. You, sir, are the only one. <laughs> my, my family doesn't extend me that trust. We have. No, yeah, coming around. Yeah, come on around. We have we have five minutes. Yeah, and and we have to uh, we have to wrap up on time only because John and I have a staff meeting. So, uh, what's your name? Cecil Worsley. Pleasure to meet you, sir. Same to you. Uh, I got a, an aunt, and we bought her a time machine or a time capsule. Get, just get a little closer oh, to them. Okay. Yeah, you're good. That's good. All right, and uh, 
we plug it in, you know, just plug it into her. She's got Verizon DSL, and it's trying to replace this old Dell router, and it, it just it just will not work. I mean, I, I would just assume that you just plug it in. I have cable at my house. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know if we need to get some sort of information from her ISP or... So, did you did you catch what it is? Yes, so, okay. so new DSL router into the time capsule, and, and you're not getting an internet connection. No, um, new time capsule into old DSL router. Old DSL, right. Yes. Okay. Um, so the difference is you're running cable, and you plugged in to your cable router, and it worked just fine. Yeah, mine, mine works fine. She's running DSL. DSL typically requires you to log in, and her old router has the credentials to log in, so her computer doesn't have to. It uses something called... P-P-P-O-E, P-P-P-O-E. Okay, yeah. okay. P -P -P so it's point-to-point -point protocol over Ethernet. And, and it's just a, typically a username and password. There's no phone number because it's just over DSL. But yeah, so her old router would have those credentials, but you might not be able to get it out of them because typically passwords are, are hidden. So yeah, I try to get in there and it would Yeah, so you're going to need to call Verizon. Just get the DSL info, and then you've got to go into the time capsule. And instead of setting it to DHCP, where you get your IP address, you set it to PPPOE, and then magically a dialog will come up asking you for the username and password. I got you. Thanks a yeah? lot. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're, we're, we're I, I think we're batting like what four for four, right? I mean, I, I, think I assume so. we got them all right. <laughs> Even the ones we yeah, come on up. Yeah, One more. Just, just come on up. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it. That's right. Hi. Hi. My name is Carolyn. Hi. I'm really glad to finally see you guys, and I can finally appreciate the expressiveness that goes along with the podcast. So this is great. Thank you. I have what I hope isn't a kind of shrug and shake your head kind of question. Uh-oh. I had an alarming experience the other day. I was actually listening to the Mac Geek Gab, also simultaneously subscribing to another podcast and downloading episodes of another podcast. And all of a sudden, my speakers went, made a very alarming popping sound. And I tried using the system volume. I couldn't get any little, like, blip, blip, blip that you usually do from adjusting the volume. And I was totally panicking. And 10 seconds later, it makes another loud pop. And the volume is back. And it hasn't given me a problem since. And um, I'm I weirded I out by it. You do know the answer? Yeah, man, because we live with it every week when we're recording the show. When you've got too much disk activity happening while you're dealing with audio, mm. disk activity wins. So you're downloading, right, podcasts. Mm -hmm. So that's not obviously coming over the network, but also saving to your disk. And then you were listening to one, so we're writing to the disk and reading from the disk. And then you subscribed, which started yet another download because that's typically what it does unless you've changed your settings. I also had like seven or eight other windows open. Of course open. you did, right, because you're running your Mac. Yeah, so that's what it was. I'm sure. You know those audio cutouts that you hear and then John and I swear and we have to cut it out? <laughs> you um, that's, I'm sure that's it. Yeah, so I wouldn't worry about it. Just, you know, don't do that again. Um, well... I have one other thought. Being a software person, I would blame the hardware. No, it could be a long shot again, but it may be, I don't know if there's something funky with the speakers. Maybe a power supply in the speakers. Maybe it could have been totally the speakers. Was it built, your built-in speakers? Mm -hmm. oh, I'm yeah, sorry, I thought you were Pro. saying external. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it still could be a hardware it could be. issue, loose sure. connection. Or Always something. blame the hardware. That, that's a long shot, but I like doing the long shots. So. Yeah, I'm sure that, that's, that's what we, you know, it's all, we, all about. And, and Intel machines are worse with this than the power PC, PC machines were, and I don't know why. Um, it doesn't really matter why. We're certainly not going to change it, so. Yeah, but the way to tell, um, if you don't already use it, but everybody should be using this, and I, I hope you do, but menu meters, excellent. Because, yeah, now, did you notice, I mean, was the, the, the red I don't have it. I'm working on getting it. Okay, because it's a freebie and it's excellent, but it has two lights, a red light and a green light, that show you um, disk activity. Um, so you, you could... If it happens again, if you see both those lights on or one light on constantly, then, yeah, it's almost certainly disk activity. Thank you. Sure. And uh, I think that's it. Perfectly timed. So We're done. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming. And thanks so much. Don't get caught. <laughs> <laughs>